and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Flavia Munn, editor of Nursing Standard, and this topic of the podcast is looking at career changes. So are you looking to change direction in your career? Perhaps you're thinking about taking on a different kind of role in your existing field of practice or using your skills to move into a totally new area. Well, you're not alone. The pandemic has made nurses rethink or at least review their career pathway. But how easy is it to do an about turn? Aside from the fear factor, many are left pondering if they have the necessary skills. Well, I'm pleased to say I have just the person to discuss this with, Winnie George, a former Associate Director of Nursing, who's now Retention Lead at NHS England and Improvement. So hello and welcome to the podcast, Winnie. Oh, hello, Flavia. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. And I do hope talking about my own experience will be of help to others. Um, as a starting point, I'll just tell you a bit about myself um, and just give you a bit of background about my career journey in nursing, which has been fulfilling, challenging at times, and very exciting. So um, throughout my experience, I've been able to move to different roles a number of times, and I'll talk about this um, in the discussion. So I've been a community nurse, I've been a tissue viability nurse, and from that I moved to practice education, um, and now I'm a retention lead. So I've been in this new role as a retention lead for the National Retention Programme at NHS England and Improvement for about six weeks now. Mm-hmm. So I'm still settling in, um, and I'm settling in well. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the retention programme, because I don't want to you know, talk about this and not tell you a bit about what I'm doing now. Um, So you can actually see why I chose to apply for this role, which fits perfectly with my own personal values. So as set out in the NHS long-term plan, we are the NHS people plan for 2021. We need to improve the experience of our people so they choose to stay within the NHS for longer. So the retention program is really about looking after people and supporting people. The programme brings together national and local experience and expertise to offer information, tools and practical support to systems and organisations to help deliver the NHS people promise in line with local people plans. This programme really is about working with colleagues to collectively find different solutions to different challenges which will enable us to recruit and retain staff. That's that's about you know my role in a nutshell, Flavia. That's Thank lovely. You. Thank you. That's really great. We we don't always get a biog from people, so that's very helpful. It's useful for people to understand who you are and what you're about. So yes. <laughs> thanks, Winnie. Um, so to begin with, um, I wanted to ask you if uh, if you could help us sort of unpick some of the reasons for the interest yes. among nurses in in career changes. So I mentioned COVID nineteen in the intro, but mm-hmm. is there more to it as well? Yeah, you know, I know the pandemic has inflicted a huge burden on so many people from all walks of life, including my nursing colleagues, their families, friends, and our fellow healthcare professionals. As nurses, the pandemic has challenged us to work in completely different ways, at a different pace. And again, this to some has also created new job roles and new opportunities Many 
you know, many nursing colleagues have been redeployed to different areas and have coped with new challenges. And again, uh, Flavia, this may have given some of these colleagues the confidence to try new things. For some colleagues, the, you know, the trauma of the pandemic has made them reflect on life and what really matters to them. And again, this may be the reason for a change in role. And crucially, the pandemic has highlighted that our biggest asset are the employees, and we need to ensure that we look after them if we want to provide the best care to patients. For some colleagues, um, if if you know if I if I'm being really honest, Flavia, mm. for some colleagues, the support has also been inadequate, mm. and again, that may be the reason why people are looking, you know, for new roles, um, and we recognise this. And again, this is something that we're responding to in, in our national retention program because we know the challenges that colleagues have faced and continue to face. And we want to ensure that colleagues receive the support they need. We also know that there is no single solution to retention, which is why we need to continue listening, learning and offering the right support. Mm, yes, thank you for that. You you mentioned in in some of the your introductory comments uh, about yeah. your role that of yes. course you've recently changed jobs to take on yes. a, a more strategic role. Could could you um tell listeners sort of what led you to that decision? I I know you were a, a, an associate director of nursing and midwifery, I believe yeah. beforehand. Yeah. So to be honest, I've been in strategic roles since early twenty sixteen when I was a preceptorship lead. Um, I then became um, a postgraduate education lead and then um, associate director um, role. What led me to look for another job um, is actually my own experience of being unwell with COVID. So I was really, mm. really sick mm -hmm. in early 2020. Mm. Mm. Um, and realizing what was really important to me is, is, is part of, of, of this um, change. Having been so unwell, to the point of thinking I was going to die, Gosh. I feel, yeah, mm. I really, I felt like, you know, when you feel like you just give up, I was just struggling to breathe and I felt like, uh, you know, I'm ready to die. You know, you, you reach that stage. Mm. Um, and I feel like that experience changed me in a positive way. I had a total review of my personal and professional life. Mm. And really, I felt that I was ready for a new challenge. The fact that I survived that. Um, and I felt this challenge had to do with supporting others because mm. personally, when I was sick, I received a lot of support from colleagues and friends mm. um, and you know managers. Even my GP who was looking after me, I was calling my GP two, three times a week. I felt that support was really crucial and I needed to look for a job that enabled me to do that at a wider scale, which is why I looked at sort of looking at national roles or ICS roles, because at the time I started looking, we had conversations about ICS coming in and I was really keen to work in, in those kinds of roles. And again, on returning to work post my COVID illness, we, we, we at the time we had the interim people plan and I read it um, and, and the thing that really touched me was the well-being guardian. And I said to my manager, I want to be a well-being guardian for the team. 
and she said to me, OK, I'll, I'll get back to you, Winnie. Um, this is really a wonderful point. But because I always talk to colleagues, they told each other. And before you knew it, informally, I was the well-being guardian for um, for the team. And my office was called the GP practice and people used to come in, you know, with different challenges and we used to to talk about it. And by the end of 2020, as a team, we also had um, we lost a colleague who was very, very close to us. Mm, um, and, you know, and, and I think my role as as this informal well-being guardian, because this person was quite a senior person. So myself and another colleague, we became the most senior people in the team. So we had to support all the different teams um, and make sure that, you know, everyone was looked after. It was part of our role. But again, I still had the, the well-being guardian role. And again, the traffic to my office did increase and people could look at my diary because I shared my diary with the whole team. And if there was a gap, people would just come in when that gap was there. But the good thing about it as well is, yes, I looked after them, but they made sure that, you know, I was looked after as well. So when people were going to get their lunch, they'll get me lunch. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's a wonderful thing about nursing as well, that we always look after each other. Mm -hmm. um, there was mm -hmm. another thing that also um, gave me confidence in terms of really thinking about taking that next step. So mm -hmm. in the middle of all this, I was actually headhunted for a very senior role, which I thought at the time, really? Me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, what? So, so they contacted me several times and, and I think a, a couple of the times I just sort of didn't respond and then they really <laughs> insisted. So in the end, I thought, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. So I went through the process and I, I and I, in the process, I realized that someone was seeing my potential and I needed to do something about it. So I went through the whole process. I didn't get the job, but the whole process was so positive and it gave me a huge confidence boost. And mm -hmm. I thought, I've got this. I can I can actually take the next step. And another key helpful thing was that soon after the passing of this senior colleague, I was offered um, some coaching um, and the person who was coaching me was a psychologist and she was absolutely phenomenal. And when I told her that I was looking for another role, she did challenge me in a very positive way because I think when I started looking, I was just looking for a mm -hmm. job, but she asked me some questions. She said, what are you looking for in your next role? And what are you looking for in your next manager? And what values? Are you looking for? And at that moment, I realized that what I really, really needed was to look for a job that aligned with my own core values of mm -hmm. collaboration, authenticity, fairness, equity, and actually treating others the way I want to be treated. And when I saw the advert for the retention lead, I looked at it and I thought, is this right? You know, it was just it was just a perfect role. And I actually so so prior to seeing this role, 
I had linked up with um, a colleague who is a CEO of a social enterprise that I worked for before. Mm-hmm. And she had asked me the same questions. You know, what are you looking for in your job? And I, I said to her, same thing, something that aligns with my values and a role that allows me to support others. And, you know, after meeting with her, I thought, is, does this role really exist? You know, is this um, something that I can do? Um, and she linked me up with another chief nurse just to mentor me, um, another chief nurse of a social enterprise. And I sort of asked her to say, you know, what do you think I should do if 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 I'm applying for a job? She said to me, Winnie, if you're applying for a job in my organization, I would expect you, if you're interested in the job, to call me and find out about the job. Mm. To be honest, Flavia, I had never done that. I had never scary. <laughs> I know. She said to me, I said to her, really? I said, but if if I call you, does it not mean that? Um, I want you to tell me about the job or, or, you know, I'm finding out the answers to the interview. She said, no, it just tells me that you're interested in the job. And if you call me, I'll be so happy. And I thought, "Mm, that's interesting. And guess what? For this retention job, that's what I did. I called um, the person um, who was um, in um, in the advert and I spoke to her and I thought, I want to work with this lady. She is lovely. And um, um, I applied for the job and I got it in the end. And six months later, I emailed my um, colleague who is the CEO of a social enterprise. And I said to her, I got my dream job. Um, And it's just wonderful um, to know that, you know, in nursing, you can move in different directions. And actually, you can get a role that aligns with your own values. but also there's a lot of support in the system. You know, I had coaching, I had mentors, uh, you know, there, there, was, there was so much support that I got from people within my organization and people from outside the organization. And and to me, I think that's what really helped me to to get this this role and to get to where I am. Oh, that's fantastic. That's uh, thank you very much for sharing. Well, that very personal journey as well with with, yeah. with, with your illness as well, and yeah. and also um, wow, what an inspirational ending. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we, we won't stop know, there, but you know, <laughs> so. yeah, I know you know Flavia that many colleagues have been impacted by COVID in many many different ways, and for me, having been a manager, I have seen how different colleagues are impacted very differently. So when people return to work, they have different needs. And I think this is something that we need to really think about as we move forward, because we need to look after our people. And there is no one solution to supporting people, even when they're returning to work. You know, some colleagues have got um, mental health challenges. Some colleagues have got physical challenges. So it's really important for us to be effective in supporting people with these different challenges because COVID has just thrown so many different challenges to us. But I think in however we respond to colleagues when they come back to work, we need to show compassion. We need to treat people as individuals and you, you and, and, and support them to come back because if that support is, is not available, people will find it really difficult to come back to work. 
Definitely. Yes. I wanted to um, move on to also the aspect of when people are looking or considering changing roles. You know, there's often this tendency to think that that means they have to retrain and, you know, it's going to take some time. But, you know, of course, there are many transferable skills that individuals Mm. have. And so I wondered how they can help someone to to take perhaps uh, bigger steps in in their careers. Yeah, so as nurses, I, I, for me, I just think we have so many transferable skills. Mm-hmm. But I know from my own experience and the experience of supporting colleagues preparing for interviews, that as nurses, we're not always comfortable talking about what we're good at, really sort of selling ourselves. Um, and, you know, we have so many transferable skills. We have clinical skills. In our roles as nurses, we do a lot of teaching. We do uh, provide a lot of leadership. So leadership in the care that we provide to patients, leadership in in how we support others, leadership in project management. You know, the the list is endless. All Mm -hmm. these are transferable skills that we can bring to new roles. You know, thinking of myself, I started as a community nurse um, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I knew like when I qualified, I wanted to work in the community. And at the time they were not taking newly qualified nurses. And I tried to apply for a rotation program that would have allowed me to go into community and that sort of fell apart. It didn't happen. And and then I applied to join um, Staff Bank and I was interviewed and they really liked me. And so they gave me the permanent job anyway in the end. So which was fantastic. And I did that um, and while I worked in the community, I absolutely loved, you know, looking after patients with wounds, you know, just finding solutions to how we could get the wounds healed and all that. And the tissue viability team at the time noticed that, you know, I was really interested. So they had um, at the time it was like an F grade post, which is a band six now. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, oh, Winnie, we've got this post. And I thought, OK, at the time. I was six six weeks pregnant with my first child, and I said to them, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm pregnant. Uh, I don't think I can come, you know, for the interview." They said to me, um, "The person I'm talking about is actually the, the CEO of the social enterprise, friend oh, of mine," and she said to me, "Oh, just come, come, Winnie. You know, it would be good experience for you anyway." I went for the interview, um, and I got the job, um, and. Um, the rest is, is history. And again, when I started as a tissue viability nurse, I didn't have a specialist qualification. And again, if you if you look at transferable schools, skills, I did have some experience of working autonomously, looking after patients in their own homes. Um, and again, if you look at the literature on new roles, such as newly qualified teachers, newly qualified nurses, or even people transitioning into more senior roles, there's evidence of you know, people um, struggling during that transition period. But, you know, there's also a lot of evidence showing that people benefit from peer support, support from coaches, support from managers. So for me, I feel like during that transition, I had a lot of support from colleagues, from managers, and I was able to actually undertake my role, although it was really daunting. You know, I was, I think when I started, I was six, six months pregnant. Mm-hmm. No, oh no, I was uh, five months or so, 20 weeks. Yeah. So I was 20 weeks pregnant 
um, and I started a new role. And I remember being asked to go and see a patient at a GP practice. And I was thinking, what have I done? You know, and <laughs> after that visit, I, I thought, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And I think the good thing with that team was after the visit, there was always opportunity for debrief, discussing anything, any concerns. So that was brilliant. And again, you know, after the birth of my second child, I thought, you know, I, I needed a new challenge. So I moved completely from tissue viability to education. And again, I had some transferable skills, you know, my teaching skills, I was teaching, you know, I had um, some leadership skills. I had my, you know, my nursing clinical skills. And, and I thought, let me try this. Um, and when I went for the role, I knew nothing about preceptorship. So it was a preceptorship educator role in an mm -hmm. acute trust. I had never worked in an acute trust since I qualified. Um, and yes, I knew I needed to learn more. And I was very, very honest in the interview. And this will make you laugh. So after the interview, I got a call and um, the person who phoned me said to me, Winnie, we like you. We like your attitude, but we know that you don't know much about our program, but we're giving you the job. Isn't that wonderful? And I thought this is this, this is amazing. And I think that's what is amazing about nursing. And from that role, I went on to become the lead for the program. And I moved on to, you know, doing other things within the same team. And I guess what was a lot easier for me was transitioning from the preceptorship educator role to the preceptorship lead. Being in the same team, the transition is, is a lot easier. And I think this is something that people need to think about, that if you're applying for a role, if it is within the same organization, the same team, sometimes it's a bit easier. But if it's a different organization, um, it's thinking about what support do you need during that transition? Because there will be new things that you need to, to know, new systems um, and all that. Um, it's, it's really important to consider all that. So um, I feel like in this current role that I'm in, um, I feel it's such an exciting role. And I feel that, yes, I've got some transferable skills. Um, as you know, the retention program supports all staff groups. And my experience of working and supporting, working with and supporting various staff groups in my previous roles will help me definitely in this role. Um, yes, it is early days, but already I can say my transition is going smoothly and I am confident that I made the right decision to move. Mm, well, that's fantastic. Well, again, some really helpful advice there as well. It, yeah. And, and in, in, inspiring again. <laughs> so, um, you just mentioned your, your current roles, of course, yeah. as, as you say, that that is all about retention, which is such a big issue, which you will know yeah. very well. Um, so just just a, a easy question here. <laughs> How uh -huh. can you solve such a big problem? Um, but of course, many nurses, as we know, have, have sadly express their, their desire to, to leave nursing mm -hmm. altogether mm -hmm. I mean how can they be convinced to stay especially when you know things are difficult with with pay and, and conditions and obviously the the pandemic uh, yeah. aftermath too 
yeah, yeah. I, you know, to be honest, uh, complex problems require multi-level solutions. And like you said, retention is complex and it needs multi-level solutions. And I agree with you that pay is one of those things that that we with colleagues hope, you know, will go a long way to supporting retention. Um, I was I was watching the television um, last week and I remember seeing that inflation is 5.4%. So mm. our hope really is that we get a decent pay rise, at least something above inflation, because um, yeah, we, we, we do have some, you know, colleagues really struggling um, because of, you know, the impact of the pandemic, but also because we haven't had really sort of decent pay rises um, recently. So yeah, definitely that's one solution. But there are also other things that we can do to ensure we look after each other in really meaningful ways. Um, it is actually important to treat people, like I said, you know, treat people as individuals um, and really listen to what people want. Um, I've seen that a lot of organisations now, they're advertising roles as flexible working. And again, that's a, a, a good step. It's a step in the right direction um, because you can't have one size fits all. You know, you have people with families, you have people with caring needs. So flexible working will go um, a long way. Um, and also with retention, I know that um, a lot of people when they apply for uh, new roles, they don't really want to discuss with their managers. So I think we need to just become more comfortable about discussing role changes because we have an incredible profession. Nursing is absolutely incredible and we should be you know, comfortable seeking support from others. You know, for example, you know, getting someone to read your supporting statement. Um, managers need to be more supportive in, and open um, and having you know, meaningful conversations about career progression. Um, and I know a lot of colleagues feel bad about wanting to pursue other career options. Um, to me, the beauty of nursing is that it allows us to grow and develop into many roles, many directions, and isn't, isn't that wonderful? Um, and we need to be comfortable about that. We also need to think about, for example, offering flexibility, for example, reduced hours to colleagues, nearing retirement and really ensuring that if we want people to retire and return, we have clear processes. You know, it's not a laborious process where someone is thinking, how do I retire and return? What role do I go into? So that needs to be clear because it allows people to work for longer uh, and it gives them that flexibility. Um, and what I always say is, I always say that we need to treat others the way we want to be treated. We need to ensure that there is equity and fairness with regards to career development and career progression. And I, for me, I don't want this to be something that people talk about and there is no evidence. So we need to have clear organizational processes that show that transparency, that equity, that fairness. Uh, because, you know, sometimes you still hear colleagues saying, oh, 
I didn't know this job was advertised. So that is really important that we have that, that fairness. We also mm -hmm. need to work co collaboratively as systems to ensure we jointly create systems that offer staff opportunities that give them a good work-life balance and also allows them to develop and fulfill their ambitions. Again, that could mean that we have new roles. You know, we have integrated care systems now, so we could have new roles that allow staff to rotate across organisational boundaries without detriment to pay or terms of employment. And again, if you think of the journey of a patient, a patient doesn't just stay in one environment. They can move from community, primary care, acute. So therefore, I think we need to be innovative in, in some of these roles that we're going to have in, in our integrated care systems. Um, and again, this requires us to commit to working on our shared purpose of providing the best possible services. We can do this if we prioritize our staff experience and engagement in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and, and we do have some examples of this working well um, in, in the system. One of the other things that I, for me personally, that I found really useful is having a good pension scheme. Um, and definitely it goes a, a long way. And I think for me personally, it's, it's one of the things that have kept me um, in the NHS. The other thing is we need leadership that is able to have effective career conversations, not just a tick box exercise as part of an appraisal, but really, really showing interest in, in, in people progressing. Um, we also need systems that support future talent management. And actually, one of the key things as well is because I know that, yes, we need all these things to support us, but I also think it is important for us as individuals to also know our value. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I, you've already given some fantastic ad advice and, and um, guidance for people, but I wanted yeah. to sort of ask you finally um, what your top tips are for someone looking to change jobs. So I'm thinking sort yeah. of, you know, how how they go about it, it's, especially mm. for those who, you know, like many are, are just exhausted after two years of, of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to try and um, give you some of my tips, but I, again, this is not everything. And I think I'm talking from experience. Um, I think it's really, really important if you're thinking of changing roles to think about your current experience and how you can use it in the next role. You know, you asked me earlier, Flavia, about transferable skills. Mm -hmm. And, and that's really important to think about. And I think sometimes we just think about the current role we're doing and we're not thinking, actually, we've got skills that we could use in other roles. And again, another role does not always mean better working conditions. So also consider what it is you're looking for. I remember discussing with my coach when I was looking for a job um, and I said, oh, I've got this job. Um, and it's line managed by four people. And she said to me, Winnie, I don't think you, you need to apply for this role. I'm not gonna stop you. And she said to me, is there clarity as to, you know, who's responsible for what? And I said, no, 
So again, that clarity, if you're thinking of applying for a role, make sure there is you know, clarity as to what your responsibilities will be, who are you going to be reporting to. And another key thing that I've benefited from is having a coach or mentor. Uh, because I, I've used these colleagues as sounding boards um, and their advice has really helped me uh, and challenged me at times when I was thinking of, of moving. And I, I do network a lot, um, so I have several mentors um, and they all support me in different ways. Um, and it's really important to network and build relationships with colleagues. Um, and yeah, I often call on these colleagues for support. You know, it could be personal support, like when I was sick with COVID, um, I was calling these colleagues, um, calling on them for support. Um, and the other thing was, because I, I love networking anyway, even when I was sick, I couldn't get out of bed. I was on my phone texting other colleagues who were, who were also unwell with COVID to say, oh, what, what, what are you getting from your GP? And the next time I spoke to my GP, you know, I would say, um, this person is getting coamoxiclav. You haven't given me coamoxiclav. Can we try it? Because I'm still struggling to breathe. Um, so that really helped me. And what was interesting was when, when we all returned to work, people said, oh, they found my support really helpful. But I actually also found their support helpful to me. Because mm -hmm. if I didn't, if I wasn't networking, you know, I think my recovery would have been really, really difficult. So I was off sick for two months and I'd never been off sick. And it, it's, it's, you know, initially I was, I didn't want to admit I was sick. My manager kept saying to me, Winnie, you're not well. You need, we need to look after you. And for me to admit that I was a patient, it took me over four weeks, five weeks. Then I realized I'm really sick. Um, and, you know, um, at that time, um, the GP had given me the third lot of antibiotics for my chest infection and that that sort of started working. Um, but I had I'd, I had had breathing problems for about five weeks, uh, which is why I had completely given up. And I thought, you know what, you know, maybe it's better to just uh, die because I was just it was just too much suffering. Um, and again, if colleagues are feeling bent out, um, they can also consider some flexible roles that allow them, uh, for example, to work, still work clinically and doing different things like like teaching. So I know um, colleagues who, for example, are working in practice, but are also lecturing at university. So they, they've got these joint roles. Um, I've also seen a number of fellowships um, and some of these offer flexible um, working. Um, I remember last week we were talking about the pandemic with, with a medical colleague um, and we were just discussing retention actually and saying, oh God, the, the challenges have been immense. And, and this colleague said to me, um, yeah, um, it's the same thing happening with, with medical colleagues. And, and for this colleague, um, they felt that they didn't feel a huge impact because they're actually in a fellowship so they're working part time clinically um, and part time they, they, they're doing the fellowship. So these are all opportunities that that colleagues can can think about. Um, the other thing as well is people, you know, when they look at fixed term roles, mm -hmm. people always assume that 
it's just for that fixed duration. But a lot of these roles, people can do them as secondments. In my previous role, I recruited a number of co colleagues on fixed term contracts and they under understood these roles as secondments. Um, at times, yes, it meant that I needed to negotiate with their line managers, I needed to support them. But again, this is our role as, as leaders, is, is, is supporting people to achieve what they want to achieve and making sure we open those doors. So it's something that I really enjoyed doing, um, supporting people to undertake secondments as well. A few years ago, I did um, a piece of work with some um, ED um, leaders, sort of band sixes and sevens, and I sort of asked them why um, a lot of them were working part time. Uh, and again, the same thing they said to me, Winnie, you know, if we are working, you know, like three long days, four long days is too much for us, but they would want sort of these kind of joint roles. And again, as we think about retention going forward, it's really important for us to think about these roles um, and for colleagues when they're looking for um, jobs is to think about, you know, considering these kinds of roles, because you may see a role advertised three days a week. So you could negotiate, do that role for three days, but also keep your current role for two days and just, you know, however you want to do it. But I think there's quite a lot of flexibility in the system at the moment. Um, uh, and I and for me, being a nurse is it's been incredible and at times challenging, um, but there is so much support in the system. Um, and I th the other sort of final thing that I want to advise colleagues is when you're applying for a role, just do not use the same supporting statement, you know, for job applications. Try and ensure that you demonstrate how your transferable skills make you the best candidate for that role. By this, I mean that you need to demonstrate how you meet the job requirements and person specification. It's, it's really, really important. You know, a lot of the times, you know, when I've been sort of shortlisting, I've seen people just sort of, and you just think this statement doesn't really demonstrate how this person is going to bring their transferable skills to this role. So really think about that um, as well when you're um, applying and looking for the for the next role. Um, yeah, like I said, they I've had some wonderful experience, um, and this experience, I, personally, I feel it has strengthened me in my resolve, particularly uh, during this pandemic. And I was actually looking on Twitter, and 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 this really, really what the chief nurse for England, Ruth May, said really really resonated with me she said the last couple of years difficult as they have been have shown a spotlight on the value of nursing of, of our nursing profession and the rewarding careers on offer in every corner of the nhs i feel yes it's been challenging but i think another reason why colleagues are also moving is we've also seen what's possible um, in terms of you know how we could move in different directions, how we could, you know, apply for different roles, how we could use our amazing transferable skills to really effect positive change in the system that we're working in. I, I recall seeing that tweet from Ruth May and I, yes, I yeah. 
I, yeah. I agree. And um, yeah, so I can also see why you are retention lead <laughs> with, <laughs> with all that background. And um, I also, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your personal story as well. When I invited you on the podcast, I did not, not know about that. And so I, I do appreciate that because I understand that that must have been an incredibly difficult time for you and, and your loved ones. So thank you. And uh, Winnie, thank you so much for taking part in the Nursing Standard podcast. Thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate this and I feel honoured to have to have done this. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that all the resources connected with this episode of the show can be found at rcni.com forward slash podcast, where you can also catch up on any episodes you may have missed or simply want to play back. And we greatly appreciate any feedback, so please do rate or review us on Apple or Spotify podcasts, which will also help other people to find us. I hope you enjoyed the show.